0: Let's pray. Oh, Lord, what a privilege it is to open your word and uh, what an awesome responsibility it is to uh, proclaim it uh, to your people. And so give me your help. Give your people your help. Open their ears, their eyes, their heart, uh, their will uh, that they may not only uh, hear and understand, but believe and obey, we ask, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So I had a fun story uh, to tell about when I pastored a Korean church for nearly six months. Uh, it is uh, interesting to uh, preach to um, a congregation that uh, does not understand English, and to be translated, and then to be expected to eat kimchi every Sunday after the service when uh, you do not like kimchi, but the whole congregation would be watching me uh, and enjoying the faces that I would make. Anyway, uh, I um, had to remove those stories in the interest of time, I will say that uh, in my first church as an assistant pastor in Panama City, a Korean church in the PCA had a a church split. Our congregation was the closest uh, congregation to them with more than one pastor, so I was assigned by the presbytery to preach there every week as well as uh, do a few limited pastoral duties that I could do within the limits of the language barrier. This church was a Bible-believing congregation, but it split because they had a younger Korean pastor who was a little more Americanized than a traditional Korean pastor. And so this uh, young man was faithfully preaching the word of God. He loved the congregation well, but he was not sufficiently socially Korean. So one day, uh, one Sunday morning, he showed up to unlock the doors for a Sunday service, and he found that they had changed all the locks on all the doors so that he could not get into the building. Now, here's the point a Bible-believing congregation took their focus off of the central place that the Word of God has in the life and ministry of the church, and it allowed something else to become the central focus. Um, Many Bible-believing churches I have observed have likewise subtly... uh, averted their focus from the centrality of the Word of God. I've seen larger churches which have had significant budget shortfalls take their primary focus off the Scriptures in order that they may gather more people uh, who could make up their financial deficits. I've also seen church plants that place a lesser importance on the Word of God Because it's easier to draw a crowd if the Bible is placed in the background or if the Bible is repackaged as a self-help handbook. The Word of God must always have the central place in the life and ministry of the church because the Bible is the voice of Christ to His people. The whole ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church is to press the Word of God upon Christ's people. He's he's to apply it to us. Not just so that we hear it, but the Holy Spirit takes it and He sticks it to us. He convicts us with the word of God. He causes us to believe and helps us. He, he empowers us to obey the word of God. Christ uses his word through the power of the Holy Spirit to rule over, to direct, and to guide the church. The overriding consideration of our session is not to put more people in the pews or to increase our church budget. Our church ministry would look very different if those were our goals. We want more people in the pews. We certainly would love to increase our membership and our budget, but never at the expense of setting aside Christ's rightful place as the true head and king of the church who rules over, guides, and directs our congregation according to his holy word. Now, all that being said, uh, I hate to slow down the momentum of the sermon, but there's a translation issue in our passage that I believe is fairly important in verse 12. So verse 12 uh, reads... Uh, I'll start with verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the, my, my, um, 2001 edition of the ESV says pastors and teachers. I think an updated version of uh, the ESV that maybe is in the pew says shepherds and teachers, um, to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build uh, for the building up of the body of Christ. So in verse 12, the issue comes up because in the Koine Greek, or the common Greek in which the New Testament was written, there were no commas. So the context dis- determines where the commas are to be placed when we translate the Greek into English. I firmly believe that the ESV should have had a comma after the words, after the word saints, in verse 12. Therefore, verses 11 and 12 should read, And he, he being Christ, gave, um, and what did he give? He gave spiritual gifts to men in order that these men might be gifts to the church, such as apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherd teachers, to equip the saints, comma... For the work of ministry, comma, for the building up of the body of Christ, this rendering follows the uh, J- the King James uh, version. Uh, I agree with this rendering, this translation, or this comma placement. It means that the gifted ones mentioned in verse 11, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd teachers, have a threefold work. And that threefold work is equipping the saints, carrying out the work of the ministry, and building up the body of Christ. This threefold work centers on the ministry of the word. Now, on a side note, I understand the ESD's rendering and, uh, and recognize it has some merit because of uh, the pros, and the ace and the ace the way that they are coordinated i know we have a handful of people who read greek and will probably go home this afternoon and look at their uh, greek and translate it out and and call me with questions well what about the pros and the ace and the ace and how they are coordinated so i just want to um assure you that uh, i am aware of that issue um but for other reasons Uh, I'm not persuaded that it's correct. Um, I try and keep my exegetical work out of the sermons, um, but I'm making an exception this morning. I would not mention this issue except that the majority of churches follow a completely different rendering of verse 12, and it takes, uh, frankly, Christ's church right off the rails because of this misunderstanding in verse 12. So listen to the New International Version uh, translation of verse 12. I'll start with verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, comma, so that the body of Christ may be built up. The, according to the NIV, the gift of the or the job of the gifted ones in verse eleven is to equip you, the congregation, God's people, to do works of service, and in that way, then the body of Christ is built up. In other words, get everybody exercising their faith um, through service in the church, and that. Exercise and activity uh, will make the strong the church stronger. But here's the problem it takes the focus off the word of God and it puts the foundation for growth on getting people involved in some aspect of the church. I like this aspect of every person. Um being active in the church, you know, every member ministry, I guess is the, the catchphrase. Uh, in fact, I preached a couple of weeks ago on spiritual gifts. Each of you has a spiritual gift that Christ has given you. Find out what it is and put it into action. So I am not speaking against, uh, your activity in the church. Um, But what I have noticed is in many churches, fellowship and activity has become more important than Bible intake and Bible study. Everybody is too busy to listen intently to the Word of Christ, their Savior. And the upshot is the Word of God is less critical to the life and ministry of the church. Now, you may be thinking that I'm straining at gnats at this point, but I'd ask you to look at the current state of the church in America and the unfamiliarity that many Christians have with some of the most basic teachings of the Bible. The Scriptures, the very Word of Christ... Is not the central focus of many churches, and this fact undermines the foundational strength of the body of Christ in our nation. By keeping the Word of God central, has several advantages. Not only advantages, but, uh, but, um, results that Christ says should be happening in the church. And so we'll look at some of these. By keeping the Word of God central, it builds real and deep unity of the faith in the congregation. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, "'Until we all attain unity of the faith.'" Sinclair Ferguson says, As God's people are together exposed to the same sanctifying truth on a regular and intensive basis, our minds and our thinking, our wills and desires are recalibrated to the mind and will of God. And so it's not just one individual studying the Scripture on their own, but you all uh, hopefully, and it's my goal for you to hear the sanctifying word of truth, the scriptures, the word of Christ together, so that our minds together are shaped and formed, or to use uh, Sinclair Ferguson's uh, word, recalibrated together. So that as um, Paul says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith... The unity of purpose and activity must be grounded in the unity of truth that is found in God's Word. The centrality of the Word of God is paramount. Secondly, by keeping the Word of God central, it encourages our congregation-wide knowledge of the Son of God. We grow in Christ as we get to know him. Look at verse 13 again. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We get to know Christ better by listening to him. And we all grow as we together get to know Christ better. Because our souls are expanded, going back to uh, the end of chapter 3, the Holy Spirit expands our souls so that we can know Christ better, so that we can love him more, so that we are more willing to look outside our own interest, put the interest of, of others above ourselves so that we can love them for Christ rather than selfishly loving ourselves. And the Holy Spirit promises to expand our souls so that we can know and love Christ more we get to know Christ by listening to him now let me uh, use a little illustration if I say if I uh, say to Mandy come sit Beside me, come sit real close beside me so that we can grow closer together while, while I watch the bulldogs on Saturday afternoon. But don't talk to me or distract me. Can you imagine the kind of look that I'd get? I'd get that death stare that only a kindergarten teacher can, can really give. And that would only be the beginning of my woes. So, like I'm getting, no, I'm not getting it now. <laughs> but, but if I, if I said that now, I, pro- I might have said it over the years. Um, the bulldogs are on. We can't talk now. And I, I've, I've gotten that stare before. So anyway, we grow close to Christ by listening to his word as we listen to Christ, as we speak to Him in prayer and and obey His Word, we grow in Him and we grow in our trust in Him and we get to know Him better and we love Him more. No amount of activity in the church can be a substitute for visiting with our Savior, listening to our Savior, talking to our Savior. And then thirdly, by keeping the Word of God central, it encourages our spiritual maturity. The manhood that we are to grow into is likeness to Christ. He's the perfect man. He is God and man forever. And so look again at verse 13 a third time. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you want to attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Then spend time in His Word. Spend time with God's people studying His Word. Come to Sunday school. Come to Wednesday evening. Come to Sunday evening services. Get involved in a Bible study. We have several for men and for women. In our small groups, we have Bible study for men and women together. And then fourthly, By keeping the Word of God central, it encourages our stability as Christians. We won't be tossed here and there by every uh, false doctrine, by the world's craziness, or by satanically deceitful schemes. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. We need stability as Christians. We are living in very turbulent times. I'm sure you've noticed. And it's only going to get worse. I keep up with current events. I uh, try and keep up with social trends and political directions. I see, as I know you see, that our society and our government, frankly, is becoming more and more unfriendly to Christians. Uh, You're also aware, I would guess, that relativism is the only truth uh, only truth claim allowed so long as, uh, what you believe supports whatever the government wants you to believe. Our government is not becoming, uh, tyrannical and authoritarian. Our government is tyrannical and authoritarian. Ten years ago, I would have guessed that we, we maybe would reach this point in a hundred years. Who knows? But we're here, and it's deeply concerning. Um, Freedom of speech is increasingly being banned and suppressed. Our government agencies are acting unlawfully. The rule of of law is all but demolished, and I could go on. And so I'm furiously trying to figure out how we as Christians should respond Short of picking up pitchforks. Here's where I am, and I think this is where the Scriptures call us to be. We must trust Christ as His his people. We must double down in our faithfulness to Him. That's the first thing uh order of business whatever we do afterwards i'm still trying to figure things out i'm reading history i'm reading theology i'm reading christians on on um how to respond in a to a tyrannical government and uh i'm sure our session will be talking more about it but it's it's, it's it we're in, we're in a difficult spot and it's getting more and more difficult but our priority, the first thing, and if we're not doing this, we're not, we are out of step with Christ. The first thing is we must trust in Christ as his people. We must double down in our faithfulness to him. Our brothers and our sisters in nations where persecution is overt and severe have shown us the way. We have heard about their, we, we heard about their faithfulness last Sunday morning. As things get worse, and I fully expect it will in our country, having a well-grounded faith in Christ, which means being well-grounded in His Word, that must be our first priority. That being said, our Lord loves you. He deeply and eternally loves His people. Listen to Him. Read His Word when you feel even like you are not getting anything out of it. Uh, Come, I say in all humility, come and learn from your well-trained pastors. Sit in a Bible study with your brothers and sisters in Christ, that you may learn from them and grow together in Christ. Christ has given our congregation pastors, elders, others in the congregation who are equipped and trained uh, in the Word of God. Uh, God has, has given us uh, Christian books, um, blogs, and whatever else is, is out there that, uh, that people make use of in order that God's people may be well-grounded in His Word so that His people would be listening to the voice of our Savior and trusting in Him more, loving Him more, and growing together as the body of Christ more and more. Additionally, as I've said over and over, the sermon. Speak to Christ regularly. Open your soul to him that you may confess your weaknesses and confess your fears and confess your sins to him. He has forgiven you of all your sins by his death and his resurrection in your behalf. Don't hide from him. Don't think that he is angry with you and won't receive you when you come to him in prayer even though you are a sinner, come boldly to him because the Scripture promises that instead of being repelled, he will eagerly welcome you as we pray together. Oh, Lord, I do pray that you would help us to be Bible people, to persevere in your word when there are so many temptations, so many distractions that would take our focus off of the precious word of Jesus Christ to his people. Lord, I ask that you help us to stand firm by growing more and more deeply in your word, to wrestle, fight, and sweat over your word, to take every opportunity to know our Savior better. Lord, I ask that you um, shepherd and keep us, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, because we know that his gaze is fixed upon us for the joy set before him. Even us, he suffered the shame and the scorn of the cross for us. We pray in his name. Amen.